All right, guys, take your Bibles out. Let's go over to Luke chapter 19, if you will, Luke 19. And if you'd like to join on the message notes, if you'll just go to life, lifeway.church forward slash 10 dash, what's today? The seventh, 10 dash 7 dash 18, 10 dash 7 dash 18, lifeway.church forward slash, you'll have your notes right there. Listen, if you have a mobile device, iPad or iPhone or Android, if, if you want to take notes there on your mobile device, you can take notes as we're going through this message and then email your notes to you, even with the notes that you take. So it's there to go back over. We host our stuff on Vimeo. We put it on Facebook. We've got a YouTube channel. We do Twitter, we do Instagram, and whatever else is going to come out next year or the next year or the next year because we believe in connecting with the culture. This, this ha- it takes intentionality, right? You can't just exist in the world today floating on this isolated island and expect to connect with people. And that's going to be a large part of what we go over the next four weeks. Four weeks, four-week series uh, called the Friend of Sinners. Jesus is a friend of sinners, And I pray that this message, I'm going to pray here in a second, but I believe that this series is going to rock us to the core and get us thinking about other people. So Lord, help us today to hear what you want us to hear, to see what you want us to see, to experience what you want us to experience by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you say what I can't say. I've prepared myself as best as I could with the time that I had. But even with all of that, it's inadequate without your supernatural help. And so, Father, thank you that you're present here to bring life to this message that we're encountering this morning. And we thank you for the results that it changes us from the inside out and brings people into the kingdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let me read you this account In Luke 19, beginning in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was short and he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, Has he gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So, here we are face to face with Zacchaeus and his life. How many of you know that Atlanta has a lot of traffic? (laughs) The word Atlanta and traffic are 
synonymous. They go together. They're hooked together. Every time you tell somebody you're from Atlanta, what do they say? Wow, the traffic. And so I'll take you back a few years. A few years ago when we were first starting the church and I was working full time and I commuted. I had an hour commute, hour and a half commute from Auburn to Buckhead and I had to get out of the door at 5.55 every morning to make it down to Buckhead at 7 o'clock. I knew exactly what street to go on. I almost knew, synchronized the green light, red light, right? And so I knew that I had to leave at that certain, certain time. Anybody, anybody with me? You guys are all connected, right? If I left three minutes behind, it would add 15 to 20 minutes on my drive, depending on what day of the week it was and if there was an accident, right? And, and it's wild how three minutes can then turn into 15 or 20 minutes. But it means that many more cars are jumping ahead of you in the line. Today's message is called Cut in Line. And so here we are going down to Buckhead. All of us in the morning trying to get to work on time. In a line. And someone doesn't realize the courtesy thing to do is to stay in line. People like to cut in line, right? And if you're driving, that really ticks you off. Really ticks you off. If you're human and you're driving, it really ticks you off. Anybody with me? <laughs> How about if you've purchased a, a peach pass and you've got this thing that you're paying for and you're in the peach pass lane and you see people jumping in and out of the peach pass lane and you know that they don't have a peach pass and it's been it's been documented they've done studies that up to nine percent of the people traveling in the peach pass lane do not have a peach pass in fact there was one uh, person that commuted that ran up a thirty thousand dollar bill with all the fines and all the fees that go along with it. $30,000. You can go on uh, uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and find that article because I, I studied a little bit about that. So we're always in a line, right? We're in a line. Wherever we go, we're in a line. We're in a line. We're in a line. And people like to cut in line. Are you with me? And we don't like people cutting in line. So... Because you're human, it upsets you. I want you to watch this video. Yeah, 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 dude, I'm right here, I'm right here, man, yeah. Bad, I uh, bad idea, bad idea. It's a matinee. I can take the next person right here. It's 7.50. Hi, I will take one ticket for the matinee, please. You actually just cut everybody in line. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I, I was part of that group. See, I'm part of waiting in line. And I'll just take one ticket, student discount, make it easy. Ma'am, you need to go to the back of the line. Sir? Um, oh, yes, uh, we are together. Two, please. Great. Have a nice trip. Next. 
Saline. Thank you for your service, sir. Did you just cut my line? Did you? Did I? This one. Talking about this one. Sorry, got caught on this. Stuck. It's stuck on my backpack. Oh, I, I gotta go. I've, I've got a meeting. Okay, bye. Right. It's going good. Everyone's really nice. They've been really welcoming. And like having a good. There's this one like really tall guy, and he like. He keeps talking to me in like this weird voice, and I'm like, you're kind of weird, but whatever, he's nice. One ticket, please. We're actually sold out. <laughs> We're sold out. So this tells us a couple of things. Nobody likes to wait in line, right? And we all get hacked off if somebody cuts in front of us in line. We want things to be fair, right? If I cut in line, I don't want anybody cutting in line in front of me. Not to mention, I just cut in line, right? You get, you get me? If I cut in line, I, I surely don't want anybody to cut in front of me. We want, we want special treatment but we don't want anyone to get in front of us. Wow. And our society is, is gravitating to that. I mean, I like to order uh, Chick-fil-A before I get there. Because when I get there, then I just hang out at that little table and they bring me my uh, order for Bruce, right? So Starbucks has it. And all these places have this preferential treatment. If you go to the airport, you can pay a certain amount every year and you can bypass that long line. So we're getting, this is marketing, it is uh, incentive, it's incentive for loyalty. Now, I'm not going to talk about the marketing aspect of it this morning, but listen, we don't like people that cut in line because we say that's not fair. But listen, grace is not fair. The gospel is not fair. God freely gives us what we do not deserve. Yes. Yes. <laughs> How about that? Zacchaeus is up in the tree. People are all around him. And he's about to get grace. He's about to get a cut in the line. God favors you. He loves you. I want us to look at Luke 5, Matthew. It's Matthew in Luke 5, but if you go to Luke 5, we'll find out about Matthew. Matthew, a.k.a. Levi. Levi was a tax collector. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. But I want you to see Jesus' attitude towards the tax collector. Verse 27 of Luke 5 says this, After this, Jesus went out and saw a, everybody say, tax collector. Yeah. Tax collector. You could really insert the word criminal right there. 
And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. But Jesus went out and saw a criminal tax collector by the name of Levi, a.k.a. Matthew, sitting at his tax booth. Notice what Jesus did. He went up to the booth that people ran away from. And he went up to Matthew and said, follow me. And Levi, Matthew, left, got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of what? Tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so Jesus crosses the line. Jesus goes where the rest of the religious dare not go. And talk to people that the religious dare not talk to. Jesus loves Sinners. He's a friend of sinners. Tax collectors, criminals. Tax collector, well, here, here was the definition out of the, uh, uh, Haley's Bible handbook. A person t- tasked with collecting taxes for a government. Often these people were either corrupt or perceived to be corrupt in that they would collect more than what was necessary and pocket the extra themselves. You know, back in that time, they didn't have Excel spreadsheets, so they didn't have any way of tracking who gave what and what belonged to who. You just had to trust your tax collectors that they weren't pocketing anything, all right? And with, without any uh, uh, checks and balances in the system, it was more than likely that all the tax collectors put a little bit in their own little satchel. It says, in Greco-Roman times, tax collectors among the Jews were considered to be Roman sympathizers. So the Jews didn't even like... Zacchaeus. He was a Jew, but he was a tax collector, a chief tax collector in that region. And that region was very wealthy. And so not only was Zacchaeus wealthy, but he was wealthy, wealthy, doubly wealthy. He was a chief. So he had underling tax collectors under him. But we could insert the word criminal there. Outcast, social outcast. And Jesus not only ate with tax collectors, but he chose one, Matthew, also known as Levi, to be one of the 12 original disciples. Isn't that interesting that Jesus would choose what we would consider a social outcast and a criminal to be one of his special 12? But Jesus loved social outcasts. Jesus loved social outcasts. Write this down. Jesus forgave the woman caught in adultery. He was there at the right time to show us, thank God it was recorded, to show us that there's forgiveness even in sexual sin. Forgiveness. Jesus spoke with the Samaritan woman at the well. That was was taboo. The disciples were even surprised at this. How dare he speak to this woman at the well? He helped a Syrophoenician woman. 
How dare he help someone that is less than we are? How about this? He touched a leper. That was against the law, the rabbinical law. It was against what they believed as a society. And so Jesus loved the social outcast. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus loves sinners. How well do we love those that we think are unlovely? Most of the time, when we don't agree with someone's lifestyle or their belief system or even their looks, we draw a line between them and us. But who are we separating from? And what does that line do as far as the gospel's concerned, as far as love's concerned? Are we blocking the love of God by doing that? Jesus stepped over every line that man had drawn to connect with every stereotype of every person. I'm convinced more this morning than I ever have been that people want three things. Every person on this earth wants three things. They want to see Jesus. They want to meet Jesus. And they want to be changed by Jesus. And I'm convinced of this because of the account of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. That dirty, rotten scoundrel Zacchaeus. And this story, this account that we have in Luke 19. People want to see Jesus. How about Moses when he turned aside to see the bush? He could have turned the other way and walked the other way. But he wanted to see Wow, something that he had never seen before. And, and, and people that haven't seen Jesus before, they're curious when they do get a glimpse of him. They want more. Zacchaeus, he saw Jesus coming, but he understood that he was short. And he understood that the crowd was big and large and that he probably couldn't see Jesus, so that's why he ran. I'm going to get to that in a, in a in a couple of steps here. But people want to see Jesus. How about Philip in John 14 and verse 8? John 14, verse 8, Philip says, says to Jesus, show us the Father. I mean, Philip is looking at Jesus and saying, show us the Father. That's why I know and I'm convinced, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that people want to see Jesus. People want to see. They want an encounter with the God of heaven and earth. People want that. Even people that are not in this building this morning want an encounter with God. So Zacchaeus was small. And, but he was dignified. And he was very, very, very wealthy. So he had robes that were very, very, very costly. And if he knew he was going to get to see Jesus, he would have to leave the position that he was in to get to a higher position. And so he ran. The Bible says he ran. So he had to gird up his loins with his robe so that they get, didn't get dirty. And here, here, 
It was not dignified for a man of his stature, power, and wealth to be running. They didn't run back then. I mean, the more money you had, the, probably the slower you walked. I mean, <laughs> follow me, right? Now, I don't have scripture for that. But, I mean, here's a wealthy man running to climb up a tree to see Jesus. That shows there, there was an intensity about him. He wanted to connect his eyes with this person that he had heard about. Because, I mean, imagine. Again, I don't have scripture for this, but you can just use your Holy Spirit imagination. Zacchaeus had heard that this man named Matthew, also known as Levi, had been selected as one of the original disciples. And wow, if Jesus loved Matthew, who was a tax collector, would he love me? Would he give me the time of day? Would he meet me? Would he talk to me? And so Zacchaeus was intense to see Jesus. He was determined to see Jesus. Here's another question that we should allow to just permeate or penetrate us. How many people around us secretly desire to see Jesus? I believe that there are are, are hundreds of thousands. Within five miles of this location right here, a couple of years ago when they did the census or whenever the last census was taken and demographics, you know it's always changing because people are moving in and moving out. Within five miles of this area right here, there's over 56,000 people. How many of those 56,000 people are in relationship with Jesus Christ today? Not nearly enough. And notice I didn't say how many were in the church building. Because we've got to think outside the church building. Right? The church is not a building. (laughs) Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, church is not a building. Now, you may like this building. That's great. But buildings are buildings. The church is you. Church is me. And people need to encounter Jesus. They want to see Jesus. Are they, are they seeing Jesus in us? Or are we part of the crowd blocking the view of Jesus? Are we part of that crowd that is probably, you know, clamoring for Jesus' autograph? Could you please sign? Could you please sign my knee here? Could you please sign my shirt here? Could you please sign, could you please sign my Bible? Can you imagine if the, if the printed Bible is there? We, we want to go and we want, could you please sign this? Oh, I've got Jesus' signature. But how about, how about the ones, how about the ones that really were intense about seeing, getting a glimpse of Jesus? That was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was intense. We don't want to block anybody's view of Jesus. You know, we get in the way of people when we, when we become self-righteous. And self-centered. So we could say the opposite is true. What does reveal Jesus to this world that wants to see Jesus? A posture of humility and grace, mercy. The second thing I'm convinced that I said before is that people want to meet Jesus. Not just see Jesus, but meet Jesus. Back as I was growing up, uh, before Walmart, we had a store called Gibson's Discount Center. Anybody remember Gibson's? There was a Gibson's where I was growing up. And as little kids like to do, I was probably five years old or so, 
my mom could be watching right now by the streaming live thing. Mom, I was probably about five. But I remember in Gibson's one day, I got lost from my mother. And that, that, that feeling of panic and terror came over me. Now, Mom knew that I hadn't left the store, that I was over probably doing something. But she, went, she did what all good moms would do, go to the customer service desk and tell them to say over the loudspeaker, Bruce Rhodes, your mother is looking for you. And so imagine five-year-old me in terror thinking my mom left me in the store, but we had gotten separated from each other. Has that happened to anybody else in here? Yes. So when I heard my name over the loudspeaker, that was like, I'm rescued. <laughs> Even though I didn't know where the customer service desk was, I knew that there was somebody that knew that I was in that store. Right? Think about that for a moment. In the mind of a child, when they hear their name, when they hear their name, Zacchaeus heard his name. All the people were astonished at what was happening. Zacchaeus is up in the tree, and Jesus walked right up to the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Wow, he knew my name. I'm, I'm here to catch a glimpse of him, just to see him, and he comes right up to me and says my name. Wow. Wow. What a meeting. What a meeting. I'm convinced that people want to meet Jesus, the real Jesus. And the real Jesus loves them enough to call them by name. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, hey, you, up in the tree. He could have, but he said, hey, Zacchaeus. Wow. That, that, surely that melted Zacchaeus' heart. And imagine those in the crowd, what they're thinking. Yeah, we know this criminal, Zacchaeus. It probably melted their heart at the same time. Wow. Here's Zacchaeus getting to cut in line. He got a cut in line. Because Jesus thought he was so special. And listen, Jesus thinks everybody is that special. Jesus thought Zacchaeus was special, and what made him so special was Jesus didn't just want to see Zacchaeus or just meet Zacchaeus, but he wanted to go to Zacchaeus' house. He said, Zacchaeus, come immediately down now, and let's go to your house. I want to stay with you. Now, there's some commentaries that say, yeah, Jesus wanted to hang out with him and eat with him. I don't think Jesus was going over to Zacchaeus' house to taste his wife's fried chicken. <laughs> I think Zacchaeus, what Jesus was saying is, hey, Zacchaeus, let's go to your house so that I can stay with you, abide with you. That Greek word there doesn't mean just let's go get a coffee and hang out for 15 minutes. But Jesus, think about that. Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, called out this criminal out of a tree and said, come down now immediately. Let's go to your house. I want to stay with you. What a message. The friend of sinners. He was criticized for being a friend of sinners. Because he loved Zacchaeus. Because he loves every one of us. 
as much as he loves Zacchaeus. All the people in that crowd, of all those people, Zacchaeus was the least deserving. Do you know what? Jesus knows your name today. He knows your name. The Bible says that he knew you in your mother's womb. He, and he knows the very hairs that are on your head or the lack of. <laughs> he knew that Jesus, or Zacchaeus, Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was up in the tree before Zacchaeus got up in the tree. Z Jesus had planned to go by the tree because he knew that Zacchaeus would be up there and that Zacchaeus was looking for him. And so here, here was a meeting between the king of heaven and earth and a criminal to show us how much God loves sinners. Jesus said, come down now. I want to go to your house. I remember uh, that brings up a scripture, uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. I remember the day I got born again in 1974. 11 years old, and I was in a service where someone was telling us to bow our head and close our eyes, and I bowed my head and closed my eyes. I didn't expect anything to happen. I was 11 years old. I was not brought up in church. I had been to church a few times, but I wasn't brought up in church. And I closed my eyes and bowed my head like the person asked us to do, and he began to explain some things. And he painted a picture with his words, and I followed him along with my heart and with my mind, and I understood what was going on, and I had this vision, and the Lord showed me this door to my heart, and I had a key, and I was the only one that had the key that could give it to Jesus, and Jesus, if, if I gave Jesus the key, he would take the key and open the door and come in and live with me, live in my house, live in me forever and ever and ever. People don't just want to see Jesus. They want to meet Jesus. They don't just want to meet Jesus with a handshake and a Starbucks coffee. They want Jesus. They want Jesus to come live in them. Come home with me. Be in my house. When you go to someone's house, you know what kind of people they are, whether it's clean or whether it's dirty. <laughs> right? When you ask somebody, come hang out with me in my house, they see all of you, right? And invariably, when you walk in somebody's house, they say, oh, you know, I haven't had time to clean up. And just please excuse it. Please listen. <sighs> Breathe. It's okay. I'm like you. <laughs> Jesus just wants to abide with us. He wants to hang out with us. He loves us so much. Zacchaeus didn't, obviously didn't have a cell phone that he could call his wife and say, uh, Jesus is coming over. Could you please make sure that the garage is cleaned and that the toys are picked up and, right? So when Jesus comes, there's change. And that's the third point. Je people don't just want to see Jesus. They don't just want to meet Jesus. They want to change in their life. And I'm convinced of this, that every one of us that were created by God, that means all of us, all of us know that we need to change. There are some people, though, that try to change on their own, and that may work for a little bit, but to have, to have lasting change, you have to have the help and the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life. And so people need change. People want change.
I believe Zacchaeus was ready to change. That one point in your notes, it says, ready, set, go. I believe that Zacchaeus is up in the tree saying, okay, here he comes. Is he going to walk over to me? What's going to happen next? He was anticipating. He was excited. He was, he was, he was there in the moment. He wasn't checking his Twitter, Twitter feed and Instagram. He was captivated by Jesus. And when Jesus called his name, there was a change in his heart because he came down and he said, wow, I'm giving half of everything that I have to the poor. How did he know that Jesus ministered to the poor? He was convicted by the presence of Jesus. Jesus didn't have to say, you dirty, rotten, criminal, sinner. No. Think about it. He was ready to give. And see, this is the fruit of an inward change. The willingness to give. Not only am I going to give half of everything I have to the poor, but I'm going to repay those that I took advantage of four times what I took from them. So if I stole 100 from you, I'm going to give you back 400. Recompense. How did he understand all of these principles in a moment of time? Because he was ready. He was ready for change. He wanted change, and he met the one that could bring the change. Up to that point, he didn't have the ability to be right, to do right. But when Jesus called his name, and Jesus met him, and Jesus said, Hey, Zacchaeus, let's go to your house. What love, what compassion made a change in Zacchaeus' life? That same love lives in you and I. The same compassion. What a, what a sign, wonder, and miracle that happened to Zacchaeus. A criminal, one minute, and a compassionate, generous giver the next minute. And for that, Jesus said, salvation, today salvation has come to your house. Because here, here was Zacchaeus serving his money, serving his own life, serving his pride and his power and all of his prestige. He was serving himself and the next minute he obeyed Jesus' words to come down out of the tree. And through his obedience, he laid down himself and began to follow Jesus. Only Jesus was willing to go to Zacchaeus' house. I firmly believe that Jesus was going to Zacchaeus' house to put his house in order. To put his house in order. To show him. To hang out with him. To love him. To help him change. Because even though we come to Jesus in a moment of time, the change that comes from knowing Jesus is a process. Notice that Jesus did not expect Zacchaeus to give half of all he owned. He didn't expect Zacchaeus to recompense four times what he had stolen from other people. So that wasn't a requirement of Jesus. But it came out of Zacchaeus when he truly met love, Jesus. Love with flesh on.
So if you're here today and you haven't invited Jesus to your house, Jesus is calling your name. He knows you. He knows where you are. doesn't matter what you've done. He talks to all kinds of people. And he loves all kinds of people. And he crosses every kind of line. And then he gives you a cut in line. A pass that he's already paid for. He doesn't just want to meet you. He wants you, all of you, so that he can make his home in you, so that he can live in you and abide with you. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Are we a friend of sinners? Do we love people like Jesus? If not, why not? If not, how much? How much do we love people that nobody else loves? How many people do we talk to that nobody else will talk to? How many people do we run to that everybody's running from? I really believe that when we get the heart of God, that the loss will come flooding into the church and not a building. Flooding into the church means joining the family like we saw these folks this morning. They joined our family. Zacchaeus that day joined Jesus' family. Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus was saying, Zacchaeus, I'm part of your family. Let me come to your house. Hey, share, my, share your stuff with me. If you're here today, or if you're watching the video, take a look at Jesus. See him. Hear him call your voice. Let's just go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes. And if you're here in the building, and Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. He will in no way send you away. He, he, he loves you. And he did all that he could to prove it. And so the only thing left to do is to look at him and meet him and allow him to change your life. If you want to do that this morning, you've never done that, I want, I want to invite you to pray a prayer 